Mr. C. Sharad Chandran, presently Senior Fellow at International Institute, Washington and Singapore, a former director of the Indo-Australian Chamber of Commerce, a non-profit organization which plays a significant role in promoting trade relations between India and Australia. Sharad Chandran has done his master's development economy from the London Schools of Economics and has since worked with Commonwealth Development Institute in London and SEER Corporation in Chicago. Returning to India, he has headed international marketing division of several major companies in the country. He has also been a consultant to the World Bank on issues related to Indian economy development. He also been writing extensively on management and socioeconomic issues for leading newspapers and magazines in the country. So help me to welcome Mr. Sarat Chandran. Thank you for joining us in welcoming us and being part of such a great audience. Good to see you. Um, we never got the chance to discuss too much before, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I have known you and uh, through Santosh and I'm aware of uh, the kind of work you're doing. I'm quite overwhelmed the kind of, you know, uh, success you have been in the last uh, few years. And uh, so I was always looking forward to the opportunity to chat with you. So this is a very uh, yeah, moment for me. I met you when you came with the delegate here a long time ago. Um, and we met together that time, but then after that, we couldn't get much chance. But it's a good chance for us to communicate with each other, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So your comment in LinkedIn on Mr. Girish Ramchandran post, right? On the million who still lack connectivity in their homes was, and I quote, Mahatma Gandhi said, world was enough to meet its need, but not enough to meet its greed. We are living in a hugely unequal world. The fortune at the top of the pyramid should be sufficient to eliminate the deprivation at the bottom. Words leaders and thinkers should work together, making that possible. Can I request you to a little bit elaborate to our audience? It was amazing saying. I was really impressed by that. So I thought I'll capture that and we'll start our conversation from that. That will help us to understand you a bit. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Priya. And, uh, uh, I will respond to your question uh, by an observation that uh, Mahatma Gandhi's economics is as important as his politics. Sure. Uh, Gandhi was not a trained economist. Uh, he drew his knowledge from the real world and yeah. interpreted them in a, in a language which an ordinary Indian understands. Yes. So his insights are relevant even 70 years after he died. Yeah. If you look around the world, you can see unimaginable prosperity. Yeah. Always. And, and, and sadly, this prosperity is concentrated in a few individuals rather than in countries. Yes. People hold it, isn't it? Right. How did this prosperity come about? It has happened significantly in the last 30 to 40 years because a combination of factors like globalization, growth and international trade yeah. and digital economies, huge influence and the spread of universal education. Yeah. The Forbes uh, magazine brings out an annual list of billionaires. Yeah. 
you can see how much confirmation wealth is there from that list. In the list, they come out every March. In the list that has come out in March 2020, right. 2,150 billionaires control a wealth of $158 trillion. Wow. This is more than the wealth of China and US and the other eight or nations, top countries put together. Yeah, I agree. Taking it forward, 10% of the total uh, richest people yeah. control 23% of the global wealth. Yeah. And uh, in India, it could even worse. It is uh, 10% of the top uh, richest people control 80% of the wealth. And yeah. in the bottom, 50% can control only 2% of the wealth. Yes. But we can see the inequality so huge that everywhere, yeah. But especially in the development developing country, we can see it's more prominent. It is more prominent because if you look at the figures which Forbes bring out, the biggest rise of billionaires have been in India and China. Yes. Yeah. And the costliest um, property is in Delhi, in the world, right? And uh, so this inequality is not a Western phenomenon. No. It's a global phenomenon. For sure. Now, look at the other side of it. Now, the UNDP brings out a human development index yearly. The last index, 2019, shows 1.75 billion people around the world go hungry every day. Yeah. On which this prosperity has no impact. And then this prosperity has no impact on 40 million illiterate people in the world. Yeah. Three uh, students, children go to school, drop out within three years. And 50 million children have never go to school. So sad. So Gandhi's uh, insight, it only means there are moral vacuum in our economic thinking. Yeah. And that's what's driving it. Yeah. And I believe it's, it's the responsibility lies on everyone's shoulder. People do blame the government and the system and all those things. But I believe the people who already reach, reach to the top, they are the influential people and they can bring a lot of equality. They, they are talking about human rights and everything anyway. Why can't they think about money as well in this one of the pillar in that rights issue? I think what you said is very, very important. Let me add a comment to that. Uh, Bill Gates, one of the richest men in the world, yeah. recently commented that the, the best brains in the world work for the richest organizations. Yes. And they are not available for the for elimination of this poverty or creating a better value system. And so so I, I, I can see so. I would say Gandhian thinking, although his insight was about 70 years ago, has yeah. only even more relevant today than in this time. Mm. Mm. There are more people need to take more this kind of responsibility which Bill Gates is taking, you know. Um, 
there are a couple of people jumping now there are a lot of new name names are coming in that kind of system and contribution but i'm pretty sure there are there more needs to be done in that sense isn't it i think there are a lot of awful moments in this world one cannot deny that and uh world is recognizing that we need to have better commitments a more sharper focus on our policies and yes. then as i said in my small comment on girish ramachandran the fortune at the top yes will the leveling off the world for sure mm. so um so that brings to my next next question which is like i would like you to walk us through your vision and expectation of how world leaders and thinkers should work together making a possible difference in coming years is it as a unspoken uneasy feeling in the world today that economic models we are pursuing which focus on gross domestic product and annual economic captured in percentage terms has failed to solve this major problem of deprivation and poverty yeah because again i think i would rather go to another insight of mahatma gandhi yeah and mahatma gandhi said what the world needs is not mass production but production by the masses yes uh, what he meant was that we need people to be participate we a participatory democracy should be complemented by participatory economy yeah people had to play a role in the production process and what he was hinting at employment job creation yeah far more important to the world mm. than possibly a gdp or a nominal rate of growth captured in totally totally for sure for sure so more more leaders should actually contribute in that area following his vision in that sense isn't it that is absolutely true and uh, let me give you one uh, single topic of co- today's contemporary uh, debate yeah in talking of 5 trillion economy we want to reach 5 trillion why not 5 million jobs yeah yeah why are we talking about no way the people who talk about 5 trillion may not even know how many zeros are there in a trillion yeah i mean people are much worried about their day to day life majority of people actually if you look at the 70% people are worried about whether they are eating today and they have food today on the table and happy is family is happy or not that that kind of thing is in more common and like the people who are budgeting nowadays they should also consider more of a psychometrics like in marketing we talk about in business we talk about psychometrics one of the pillar they should also think about in economics how they can actually derive the whole economy based on the people's behavior and basic requirements i think what we need is an automated vision a different value system that as you shift the focus of our economic activity yeah uh, from growth to social justice from products to people and ultimately create a society that is more inclusive and less elitist and yeah. technology is a big tool in this uh, process no doubt at all yeah. but technology have a socially sensitive policies should have human fits yeah. and that is a that is a, that is the direction in which the world should go yeah no 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 capitalism has not really worked satisfactorily in that sense 
Yeah, and I believe it should also integrated in our education system, which is like missing because the younger generation who is coming out there, they actually do not understand much in the detail of these aspects of the economics and the, the society turning up. What do you suggest, sir? I think an important point is education, and uh, uh, I, I think younger generation have. If you if you look at the younger generation, whether in India or Australia or United States, they all belong to one single community. They are not uh, divided by national priorities. They are a globalized community, and uh, they are very aspirational. Yeah. If you are giving them a good education, they will change the trends, turn the tides in the yeah. direction we have been discussing. What you said is absolutely true. Yeah. And I'm I'm actually very hopeful for the new education policy which is coming up in India, which is really gonna make a lot of difference in India. I'm pretty sure. Maybe we can discuss about that education policy one day. <laughs> I think you should be able to discuss when you talk about the Indo-Australian. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, it, my next question is that how do you see Indo-Australian business ties and in and in this current pandemic, and in general, and your suggestion, what's your you know journey forward? What do, how do you suggest us? We are at a very hopeful moment in in Australian relationships. We can call it even a renaissance moment. I would say there are four levels of transformation taking place in the Indo-Australian relationships. The Indo-Australian relationship traditionally has been driven more by soft power. Than hard economics. Yeah. Cricket has been a dominant factor. And Indo Australian uh, community in Australia, extraordinarily successful, has been a major building block for Indo Australian. But we need to bring it straight to the central states. Yeah. We cannot live on, we cannot talk about peer uh, to people contacts mm. without advancing to trade relations. Yeah. I that is what the focus of the two nations here. A major initiative had in Peter Murphy's report, which came in the field some two years ago. Yeah. My feeling is that we have not done much follow-up on that. No. And, uh, two years have passed and the report has come. Yeah. We still have a lot of issues there. Like yeah. This. Yeah. But as as far as I remember, like we we have known to each other almost for five years now, and I believe we have seen a little journey towards you know betterment in our relationship and in many ways, especially in the trade area, um, which is really good. Like you guys bring a lot of trades, and you know the whole Indo-Australian chamber is doing a lot of things, bringing this together. You know, and I I really admire that part of you guys. <laughs> I think there are two aspects. I'll pick up a few points from your observation. The first is, in Indo-Australia, the shift from resources and commodities to services. The big services are information technology and education. Yeah. These are the two dominant services that leverage the two countries in future. Yeah. And uh, we have been uh, talking about education is a hundred thousand Indian students are in Australia today. Yeah. Huge investment for India in future. Indian yeah. students going out in the world in such a knowledge has been a phenomenon for over hundred years now. Yeah. And so that is continuing and the major connecting point between the two countries. 
for sure and uh, recently there are a lot of migrants uh, skilled migrant came from india which is actually contributing a lot to the australian economy and australian economy is also contributing towards india it's just like phenomenal to see the growth in last 11 years i have seen you know in this industry. i i think there's a third point i want to say we may not be looking at big ticket reforms a lot of things are happening in the government level yeah one simple fact taken these are very small thing but very great important yeah amazon amazon has opened an australia store yeah yeah they and, and this has brought lot of australian brands to india yeah look at the indian malls just rose sample when they opened up in the early rounds we have seen yeah australian fruits and fruit juices wine and spirits and uh, cosmetics and beauty products fashion electronic yeah. products sports goods so indian malls and indian shopping spaces are full of australian products now yeah that's the fastest growing trend in the australian economy is the growth of e-commerce yeah i remember when we were talking about you know the mutual uh, trade ship uh, 10 years ago um people were more thinking about i australia is more of a mining company that's it you know in india but now we know it's much more than that we have australian has a lot to offer to india and of course it's a big market india is a big market for all of us considering the population and the people's choices are very uh, prominent towards the australian product due to quality and all so that's a lot of things to offer from australia and india has to offer a lot to australia as well you know i, I tend to uh, add one of the points to that for instance the large australian companies like fosters or abs or dairy packers have not been not really made that big difference to india is a 350 smes who are established here. yeah yeah they, they are adding great value for for them every dollar australian dollar saved is 50 rupees earned in india yes yeah. value in that thing. and i must say australia is doing a phenomenal job yeah australia and all the other industrial chamber and as we said all of them have been adding value in connecting helping the smes to find they are all focused on small and medium australia is a strong economy in terms of sme try to spot my meeting in singapore last year yeah he mentioned specifically that 2.3 million smes are there in australia they are adding great value we are looking at how they can get more to india mm. yeah very very interesting very interesting i'm i'm sure the chamber is contributing a lot in all that whatever we are doing right now it's really changing a lot we have seen the growth and like i'm sure there are a lot of positive positive things coming in the future um having said that so how would you like to, like in terms of global market you know where do you see india's position in the global dap diaspora in next 5 years where do you see a very interesting uh, point indian diaspora uh, is now 17.5 million in numbers uh, it's a it's a powerhouse it's a powerhouse and uh, according to world bank statistics if you look at the remittances of migrants to each country india yes. with the last year 2018 we got about 80 billion dollars from indian migrants Wow. but i am not talking about either the numbers or the wealth they create yeah sure huge 
intellectual leadership they are providing. Mm. That every Nobel Prize India has won in the last 50 years has been from a migrant who left India and settled in a foreign country. Go with Corona, Chandrasekhar, Amartya Sen, and uh, recently, when the 2019 list was when Abhijit Banerjee became yeah. a... So, obviously, Scott, Mor- Scott Morrison mentioned that Indian diaspora is emerging as an opinion makers and influencers to the world. But nowhere does such been as spectacular as in Australia, I must say. The 700,000 Indian members in Australia today Today is steadily climbing on the ladders of success, occupying positions in government, corporate world, and academia. Yeah. And, uh, I, I believe uh, most Indians who, who left their home and they look for the better life, uh, in cons- say better life and better opportunity, they come with a huge vision and they work hard for that. And they are actually contributing a lot they are coming with the intention that we are gonna be part of that community we are gonna be emerging with that community that's phenomenon to say that you know how how people are actually coming up and emerging in the in the and actually mixing up the society you see i visited australia during my years in industry 18 times and then 18 present delegation wow. uh, i have interacted with all 3,000 Australian companies. I must have made a large number of migrants. Yeah. What strikes me is an amazing return determination and remarkable. In fact, they are steadily, in the last, uh, among Australian high commissioners, the last two of them have been Indian migrants. Both Fitu uh, Varghese and Sidhu have been, in the Sidhu have been of Indian origin. And if you look at that, there are so many other Indians like, you know, Noel uh, Rosh and, you know, uh, yeah, so many others have come up to school level in industry and uh, yeah. academy. But universities, there are many of these academic uh, professors and uh, teachers are all of Indian origins. So India, as you said, if uh, today you can say one in 50 Australians of Indian origin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. And having said that, they are building up, they are connecting increasingly the country of their origin with the country of adoption. They yeah, yeah. We come with that pride, um, but we also feel pride to be part of this society, and we we love that that the kind of acceptance we are getting in the society, and uh, we actually feel proud when we contribute to the economies. That's how I would say, you know. Uh, I think. Uh, I must have said earlier, some 2,000 companies I met in five cities, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, and Perth. Yeah. When I talked to some of these Indians, I don't see a single Indian say, I want to go back to India. <laughs> <laughs> I was away, they seem to be so well settled. In fact, I think the city recently wrote a beautiful piece in the Twitter. Yeah. As a Sikh woman, she could grow up in Australia without losing her identity at the same time, fully integrating yourself with the mainstream society of Australia. Yes. Uh, yes. I, 
Very amazing, very amazing to see that the kind of acceptance, the integration level we are getting, the freedom we are getting, the exposure we are getting, everything is just phenomenal. Like I'm, I really love this, this, I love my country, don't, don't get me wrong. I always say like India is my birthplace where actually I got this foundation and I'm very proud of it. But I'm also proud of that I get this opportunity to grow in this country uh, according to my choice, which is really amazing to explain. You know. I think um, Scott Morrison mentioned to me at uh, uh, Singapore, I find, I find the Indian diaspora in Australia a major note engine for the Indo-Australian relations. And I believe that. He's a great influence. And the support they are given. I've seen the, uh, uh, how they do the during Diwali festivals. They do the light of the, you know, uh, yeah. Opera House. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And celebrations and greetings, and, and uh, it's amazing how the younger generation of Indian community in Australia now are yeah. full. And uh, as I said earlier, the young Australians, the young Indians, carry the compelling vision of 21st century values, globalization, multiculturalism, young entrepreneurship, high education. All these values are adding up for yeah. both. I'm sure we all are here to contribute and I'm mm, so thank you for your time today. Um, it was amazing doing conversation. It was really interesting points. You bring a lot to the audience. I'm sure everybody will enjoy this, your communication. And we might have another discussion on the education policy sometime. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of things are changing in India. I heard that. And I think there will be a separate topic all about that. But it was really amazing the opening up you between Indo Australian experience which you have shared. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on my. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope there are many more to follow. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to this. Thank you. Thank you.